Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. Welcome to the worst podcast on Mars, also known as In the Middle of the Night, I Go Walking in My Sleep. I'm Amanda. I am Ren. You are Ren. Ren. Like a Ren and Stimpy? Yes. Why? Because there was a episode called Old Blue Nose, where Stimpy was a crooner. Mm, okay. Well, no, he wasn't a crooner. It was just his nose detached and became a crooner. Okay, but your real name is? Ren. Evan. I, I just told you. <laughs> this is a podcast that um, talks music, and we give you the history of some pretty important albums. And this week, we're talking Frank Sinatra's In the Wee Small Hours. But before we get there... I have How a question for you. What? What's your question? When you sleepwalk, do you put your purse in the fridge? No, is it freezer? What are you talking? Step brothers. Oh, that, yeah, I think a purse in the. I freezer. think it's the cat. What is it? The couch cushions in the oven too. I think. No, I don't. I don't sleepwalk. I sleep talk. You know. Well, you would know this if you weren't dead to the world when you sleep, but. You also kill me in your sleep. <laughs> or at least threaten to through it um do you well so we're still both kind of sick getting getting over it um so it's the beatles we're getting better if you made it through the last couple episodes in all of that horrible voice i i oh my gosh so i've gotten used to listening to my own voice when i'm you know checking your edits on this i i sit and i listen to the whole episode and that was that was something to that listen. That was painful to listen to. Well, when you you don't. Everybody at work told me, "Oh, you sound awful. You sound like garbage," and I felt like garbage. And you can hear yourself, but I didn't really know that's what I sounded like. I listened to it and sped up, and it sounds a little bit more interesting. <laughs> so I wouldn't say better or worse. It's just interesting. But that was a week ago. Oh. A little over a week ago when we recorded all that and i'm still going through stuff it's just everybody's got it people at work had it um and some podcasters i listen to have have given it's the same thing it's like the flu but it's a upper respiratory thing too so i am so sorry for the coughs and the sniffles and the voices but welcome back and your face made a thing so what what do you have to say nothing nothing um so do you have any corrections last week was prince purple rain no i don't think so so in this section that you asked for but don't have anything to add grievances yes why are you sick because you made me sick you dumb motherfucker why are you blaming me for your problems this sounds like a you thing not a you me thing. were sick in this household Two weeks before I got sick. That's your but you're point. older than me, so you were sick be- long before I was ever sick. That does not make. But that's how. No. You were sick nope, before I nope, was sick. Nope. 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 Ending the podcast. Done. Done. <laughs> that is stupid. Okay, I'm just going to start. So, like I said, we're doing Frank Sinatra's In the Wee Small Hours. It was released April of 1955 and is number 140 on this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list. 
In the wee small hours was recorded mostly during the night hours in early 1955 and is often considered to be the first concept album. Is that why it's called in the small hours of the night, not in the small hours of the day? Well, it's not called either one of those things. Yeah, it's close enough. In the in the wee small hours. So, so if you're going to make a joke, hours. at least get the information right. Again, dumb motherfucker. Um, So it's considered to be the very first concept album as it deals with themes of sadness, loneliness, lost love, nightlife, and despair. Coming off the end of his relationship with Ava Gardner, Sinatra used his heartache to create an album that creates, quote, the loneliest early morning mood in the world, according to the album's liner notes. It was the first recording that was intended to be listened to in one sitting rather than broken up and listened to song by song. And you got your damn hand up. It's an audio medium. Yeah. What? I always thought Pet Sounds was considered the first concept album. When did Pet Sounds come out? 60s. But I've always heard that that was the first concept album. I said this is considered to be. I didn't say it definitely was. And I don't even know if Pet Sounds is. Well, then why even bring it up? Because that's what I've always heard. And when you said that it this was considered the earliest concept album, I just had to question that. Okay. That's all. Again, if you're I'm trying to bring point, something to the table. But bring accurate information. Okay. While you are going, I will find you an article that says Pet Sounds is the first concept album. All right. Good luck with that. This album came out at a time where Sinatra's popularity was fading. The Frank Sinatra show received poor ratings and his record label dropped him. In in the early 1950s, he was married to Nancy Barbato and around the same time as the show's flop and his label's drop, they had separated and divorced. It was only 10 days later that he married Ava Gardner and things started to look up for him. He signed a deal with Capitol Records and won an Academy Award and a Golden Globe for From Here to Eternity. But then, Ava Gardner left him and he spiraled into a deep depression that spurred in in the wee small hours. Find anything yet? Mm, I just got to find the sentence in the article that I'm looking for because right. I, I found the headline. The title track... In the wee small hours of the morning is considered to be one of the greatest opening album tracks of all time, and it works well to set the mood for the rest of the album. It is considered to be one of the saddest yet most beautiful albums ever. It was also written specifically for this album, and I'm going to explain that a little bit here. So are you paying attention? No, because I'm going to give you this real quick. All right. So this is from You Discover Music. Okay. Uh, May 16th, 2022 by Charles Waring. The article is Pet Sounds, the Beach Boys, Masterpiece Explained. The one sentence in here... Uh, Pet Sounds is cited as an example of one of Pop slash Rock's first bona fide concept albums because of its unity of purpose and mood as well as the way its 13 songs interconnect to form a coherent narrative. So when I think concept album, I think narrative, not mood. Like telling a story, not... Kind of the same thing. If your whole theme, it's concept is a theme. Well, I, I take that. I've always led... I've always understood concept albums as telling a story. But so if you have... If you have 15 songs about depression, 
I don't think that's a concept album. All right. Well, listen, I'm not arguing with that's you fine. about something I read in research. I'm just, I'm I'm just, just saying, giving you what the research says. I'm, I'm just I'm just saying something that I had always heard. The rest of the album includes covers by other artists. Glad to be unhappy. It never entered my mind. And Dancing on the Ceiling were Rogers and Hart songs. And you're probably not familiar with Rogers and Hart. They I know Rogers and Hammerstein. Rogers and Hart. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same Rogers, just different partners, did a lot for Broadway. A lot of the the, the books. Um, I, I did see some, uh, when I was bringing up the track list, it had the written by it. I recognize some other names. Mm-hmm. Mood Indigo was from Duke Ellington. I Get Along Without You Very Well from Hoagie Carmichael and Jane Thompson. Deep in a Dream, I See Your Face Before Me, Can't We Be Friends, and When Your Lover Has Gone were by Einer Aaron Swan. What is this thing called love was by cole porter i'll be around by alex wilder ill wind last night when we were young and i'll never be the same were by harold arlen the last song this love of mine was co-written by sinatra along with friends soul parker and hank Sanicola, but was originally recorded when sinatra was a part of tom tommy dorsey's orchestra in 1941. so i recognize tommy dorsey mm-hmm Essentially, this is a covers album with one original song. Okay. So, it was, I think that's another reason, and I'm. this is not up for discussion, this is just <laughs> my opinion. This is probably why it's another reason why it's considered a concept where it's pulling, in, pulling all these different things and making a compilation of the, everything under this theme. Stop, don't say anything, moving on. Fun fact... Although Sinatra had an illustrious career long before in the wee small hours, this was only his second LP. Okay. Well, I would think early rock would be more like singles here and there. I was wondering if you would make that connection. Because... I read that and then and then it kind of explained it. It's like a shocking thing, but you're right. It was... They focused on singles. Yeah, because we were talking about that, that with Elvis. Elvis. Yep, yep. This is because what Heartbreak Hotel? Yep, I think was the one that was never. Yeah, and then a, a bunch of other stuff that he did for Sun. Yeah, you can buy a bunch of Sinatra records now, but that's because we have the technology now to make compilations. Whereas you know when it was Sinatra's time, it was singles here and there and EPs, and it and, would be a little bit hard. I would think that it would be a little bit harder to do some of the masters and combine it into one when you have. Because when you said it was recorded with Tommy Dorsey, and that was when it was recorded at 41, it was probably recorded with different technology Mm -hmm. than before this. So to get everything equalized and everything to sound good might be a little bit difficult to do. Right. So, but I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing that he kind of had a second wind and his second wind was only his second LP. Just, just hearing these things, you know, just kind of like the timeline of things. It's like, oh, really? You know? Do you... Okay, so this is this is an odd question, then. I don't know if you get into it. So, Elvis, that that album that we talked about was Elvis's first album. Do you know what, how many, so, this is his second album, then, is what you're saying? Second LP. See, how much, I wonder how many albums, or how much he released that would be considered an album now of material that he released before. Go to your best friend Wikipedia. 
while you're not listening to me read the cultural stuff. I was engaging with you. I was trying to find out information. I don't have that. Okay. So, moving on. It was with this album that Sinatra established a more mature style that would become his signature and cemented him as the most gifted interpretive vocalist to emerge in pop or jazz since Billie Holiday. He also displayed so much vulnerability... So much that... (laughs) So much vulnerability that he shattered the myth of boys don't cry. In choosing the songs he did and arranging them in the way he did, he displayed a piece of himself that showed it was okay to be vulnerable and weak, and it was okay to break down and cry. It's okay to have and show emotion. There was one song on here that um, it mentioned, and I didn't, I didn't write down which one it was. Okay. But um, it was one song on here that, like, so he was he was in this deep depression because of this really? and, and ending yeah. of the relationship. There was one song that he sang and poured his heart out into it that when it was over, he just started crying in the studio. So it just, it really hit him. But it made it, you know, like we talked with Linkin Park, Chester made it okay to be male and have these emotions. Yeah. And here Sinatra's doing it long before Chester was around and making okay. We've, we've seen somebody in every generation being vulnerable, being every decade, putting something out that is so emotional, so vulnerable, and it's not just, fuck yeah, this rocks hard. You know, it's, yeah. it's interesting to see how you know your movie game and you know you're essentially your six degrees of separation but not just a kevin bacon but it's it's is, kind of the same thing here where it's how do you connect frank sinatra to chester bennington yeah and it's it's kind of weird so yes yes i'm gonna revisit an earlier topic okay just for clarification it is the same rogers that's what i thought but i i wasn't 100 percent sure um Anything else you'd like to add? No, not that's not going to get me yelled at. <laughs> the title track has been covered by many artists, including Johnny Mathis, Ella Fitzgerald, Barbara Streisand, Carly Simon, Liza Minnelli, Rosemary Clooney, Diana Krall, and John Mayer. There's one of those names I don't know. Yeah, who has also become famous for his numerous relationships. But you notice only one of those is male? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was kind of odd. Um, and there, there's probably many more, but those are the ones I listed. Um, other artists have been inspired by this album that include, but I start over other artists that have been inspired by this album include Tom Waits, who modeled his cover for heart of Saturday night on, um, on Sinatra's cover. Is that the guy with the bunnies? What? Um, seven psychopaths. I don't know. Okay. Look it up. You're no help. Lester Young, who is a jazz sax player who regularly includes When Your Lover Has Gone in his sets, which that I think that's the song that Sinatra cried after, now that I'm thinking of it. And Billie Holiday, who covered several Sinatra songs. I read in in one of these articles that Sinatra covered a few Billie Holiday songs. And Billie Holiday kind of, I guess, quote unquote, repaid the favor and, and... 
covered some of Sinatra songs. They kind of that that's when you cover somebody's songs, you pay tribute to them. Yeah. Um, it is that guy, by the way. Good job. The album peaked at number two on the U.S. album charts and stayed there for 18 weeks. It was later certified gold. The album is, this is a quote. Okay. Best, so not up for debate. Not up for debate. Fuck off with that shit. The album is, quote, best heard at 3 a.m. as you face the demons in your life, somehow finding comfort knowing that even old blue eyes knew and somehow survived the same type of heartbreak. Are we going to test this theory? when i get up and pee at 3 15 in the morning <laughs> um and it's i i get it it's it was that statement that makes you say oh you know i am relatable to him sinatra from what you know of the guy i mean you knew, you know he's a singer you probably would recognize his christmas songs every year you've seen the original oceans 11 mm-hmm. so it's you uh, you know who he is Manchurian candidate i think Go ahead. You know who he is, and when you say you know him by his last name only, you don't need to say Frank Sinatra. You know he was a crooner. You know that um, you probably didn't know this before we watched it, but when we watched The Offer, yeah, they talked about Sinatra in there. That character of Johnny was based off of him, the the singer who went yeah Fontaine Fontaine yep. But the crooner, who was handsome, a ladies' man, was, you know, just, was it. What is it? Oh, my God. But for somebody to be held, that that was held to that high standard by everybody, and everybody looked up to, he can have feelings just like I have. And he can experience heartbreak just like I do. It makes him become more relatable and makes him seem... More like a human being than like a, a god. Like we put so many of these superstars, you know, we think they're gods and we put them on a pedestal when they're just everyday people, you know, like everybody else. Yeah. So it's, I thought that was, that was interesting. And my last bit here is my favorite quote, which was from Sputnik Music, was compare it to later concept albums. How often does a person spend a night alone and lonely compared to how often they go blind, deaf, and dumb and win some kind of pinball thingy? That's a good movie. As a concept album, it's way more relatable than others. Okay, I can see that. Like, we talked, concept albums we talked so far, Rush. Yeah. Rush is not relatable. Well, kind, kind of, I can, I can see that being a thing. David Bowie. We did um, Ziggy Stardust. That okay, that's kind of a thing. If you're talking about things that necessarily aren't relatable or have a through line, maybe uh, Sergeant Pepper's. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard. Oh, I don't. I don't mean relatable in terms of songs. I mean relatable. Yeah, it's in a, terms of the song content. Yeah, same it, kind of thing with Sergeant Pepper's, but I'm looking at more uh, some kind of storylines that have been put like um the wall i know we haven't really talked about that yet mm-hmm. but we'll talk about that at some point but that's a relatable one too i would think and and i might find articles in which I would agree with you and it's not just your opinion um but 
it's yeah so you're looking at he i think okay to go on your rant <laughs> of beach uh, beach boys okay. pet sounds being the first concept album it might have been the first intended yeah concept album That's... this might have been an accident which is why it's to some consider it to be the first yeah i i would think Happy accidents. That's what Bob Ross calls painting. <laughs> well, that's what we could call some children, but that's a different story. <laughs> I have a co-worker who says his daughter is the best and worst thing that's ever happened to him. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what kids are. How would you know? You don't have kids. You, you were pointing to a cat that nobody can see. That we've raised since birth, so therefore he's our child. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that is all I had on the background. Do you have anything to add before I get into my sources? No. Okay. So thank you to 3AM Albums, Frank Sinatra's In the Wee Small Hours by Chimes Freedom Staff, published June 17, 2015 on chimesfreedoms.com. Thank you to number 282, Frank Sinatra, In the Wee Small Hours, 1955 by... Do you know his name now? Godzilla the Cat. Brett Schweetz, published February 16th on rs500albums.com and i've mentioned that to you before when we get done working our way through this rock and roll hall of fame list i want to do this rock and roll or the the rolling stone list yeah i'm assuming that probably it, like 75 percent of them are going to yeah be i would say that at least 120 of these were already I've going got to be a on plan. the list if we continue i got a plan i don't like your plans okay uh, thank you to In the Wee Small Hours of the Morning by No by no Author, No Date to, uh, on songfacts.com. Thank you to Frank Sinatra, In the Wee Small Hours, 1955 by Graham Reed, published September 9th, 2010 on elsewhere.co.nz. Thank you to Frank Sinatra, In the Wee Small Hours, No Author, published May 22nd, 2006 on sputnikmusic.com. Thank you to Rediscover Frank Sinatra's In the Wee Small Hours, published by Richard ha- Havers, Havers, I don't know, sorry. Published November 30th, 2016 on youdiscovermusic.com. Also, apparently the same place where Evan's false article is. Thank you to <laughs> Frank Sinatra in the Wee Small Hours on Classic Music, or published by Classic Music Review um, by Alt Rock Chick. That was the name. Uh, July 4th, 2018. Um, altrockchick.com um, and thank you to Frank Sinatra in the Wee Small Hours LP on franksinatra.com so alright Evan you want to just keep going give you a review get it out of the way I can which tells me that you are not going to give it a good review or you don't have a solid review or you don't know what to think about it yet uh, one of those is probably accurate okay so my review um, I will admit that I struggled with this album even before I started research. But it's uh, in a different way than, like, say, when we did Rush way back then. With Rush, I knew I was going to hate it. I don't like Rush. I've never liked Rush. We talked about why I don't like Rush. And we've talked about why you're wrong. Opinion. And, but... Even when we did, like, I did the research, I was kind of like, okay, well, now I'm a little more interested to listen to it, even though I still still didn't like it. But it's not because the music was bad, it's just I don't care for his voice. So you, uh, you would like some of the instrumental stuff? Maybe. 
Um, Metallica, it was kind of the same thing. I'm not a Metallica fan. Um, it, so, uh, here, I just, I wasn't looking forward to it. And it's not that I hate Sinatra. I just don't care about Sinatra. See, and I thought you would have an interest in it, kind of. Because it was old and I'm from the 50s? No, that's actually not the reason I was going to insult you this time. Um, you were a fan of Michael Blaze Christmas. Which is in the style Say, Which it. is the same kind of style, so I figured but, you might have some kind of... You might be able to tolerate this a little bit more than some of the other things because you like some of that style. And I can see what... Yeah, but... How often do I listen to Christmas music? At Christmas time? Yes. So, still, this might be one of those things that you only listen to once, but... How about I give my review? Sinatra's voice is one that is so recognizable. You you definitely know it that it's him when you hear it. And like Elvis, I hear him every Christmas on the radio. Uh, however, he's always been just kind of eh for me. I agree that he should be on this list. His voice is so amazing, but it just doesn't grab me the way that some of these album other albums have. Your face, what? What inappropriate thing are you about to say? Nothing. Evan. Nothing. Evan. Nothing. You're an idiot. So e- even the background for this is just so-so for me. He, he went through a massive heartache, which I understand, but it didn't make me really appreciate the album anymore. While I understand that everyone goes through heartache, not everyone can turn that into something so emotional that it grabs you, and, and I just didn't care for it. However, while I listened to it, I pictured almost so very clearly my grandparents' home. I pictured old Hollywood. I pictured movie sets in the 50s and saw couples dancing together in the moonlight. It, it was a period piece, in a way. The album was beautiful. I think my mistake is the time of day I listened to it. I read an article that described several different albums that were great for listening to in the middle of the night, and they said this was this one was absolutely perfect for those nights where you can't sleep and your mind is racing and you're feeling a little down and depressed and just want something mellow, something that connects you to someone else going through heartache, and I can see that. And I know that those are two very contradictory statements, but I think that overall... It was a hauntingly beautiful album, but not something I'd actively come back to again. Excuse me. I might come back to Sinatra, but probably for his bigger songs rather than full albums. Uh, He's a classic, but this one wasn't for me on its own. It needs to be paired with a setting, like like a dinner party or when you're up late at night or when you're trying to trick your kids into sleeping. So it's like, you know, we had a couple albums that I said I would put them on for ambiance. I don't think I necessarily would put this on for ambiance. And I think it's different than, you know, I said Joni Mitchell, Blue. I would listen to it as a whole when I'm blue. I think even this one I wouldn't be able to listen to when I'm a little down and depressed. It was, I think it is perfect to listen to in the middle of the night. In the wee small hours. Yeah. But I just, I think part of it is just because I listened to it at the wrong time, if that makes sense. Because when the sun was out. 
Yes. So, um, for what it is, I gave it an A. I can, I can understand everything in reading it. I, I completely understand. But for me, I gave it a C minus, and I, I didn't keep anything. So, your review. Okay. So, we've had similar discussions about other ones that are hard to get through mm -hmm. for me. This falls into that same category as this is a... It was a slow burner. This is a night CD. This mm -hmm. is not a day CD. Mm-hmm. So I, I made it through, but I think I may have started to doze off towards the end of it. But I know that I I know that I listened to it because it registered. But it was, it's one of these harder ones to get through, and I don't, I don't think that's uh, mid fifties to early sixties. I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think it's the style that it's done in. I think it's another thing that I had in mind, but I don't know <laughs> offhand that that train has left. But I. I don't know if I care for, I've heard a couple other Sinatra. I don't know if I care for him. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think some music transcends generation, trans transcends generations, and some just doesn't. And I think Sinatra, not saying he's bad, I but think, I'm saying, I, I think he's stuck in that. I don't, I don't remember who it was, but I think it was someone in the family said the only time you listen to Sinatra is if you're trying to get laid <laughs> or something something to mm -hmm. that effect and I can understand that it's it's not something that hey I'm gonna go I want to listen to music I'm gonna listen to Sinatra that's yeah, that's not what he music. is that's not what he mm -hmm. is and there's nothing wrong with that it's just no and I think if we were 30 years older we'd like Sinatra mm -hmm. but Sinatra's not something that works now yeah it yeah. it stopped working and maybe like with with kind of the beatles shifting into black sabbath uh zeppelin some of that that distinct change in rock mm -hmm. style i think that's when that that whole thing kind of started to go out and it's hard to bridge that gap and still find popularity right now mm -hmm. so i mean, I mean it, his his songs will live on for a long time like not just his christmas stuff but like new york new york new york that song is never gonna die yeah i so it's it's the same it, it's become a standard review it'd be a b b minus i mean it, it's not a bad album it's just not for me right and i think that's so fair. i think if i want if you want my Pause because the cat is trying to eat the thumb drive. No, because she has paws. God damn it. No, if you want my like actual opinion of it, it'd probably be like a D, just because it's it's not something that I would keep. But it's not a bad album, so objectively, I'd give it a B. Mm -hmm. You know, it 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 meets the criteria. It doesn't sound bad. You know, it doesn't technically. Speaking, it sounds okay. It, it's, it's, you appreciate it for what it is. You appreciate him if it's just not your thing. It's, I get it. Yeah. And most, like I said, most albums fall under that category that, like I said, there's some that just aren't good, but we have, those are few and far between. Mm hmm. So. So, 
Do you have a summary then? Final thoughts? Yeah, Sinatra doesn't translate well to today. That's just really all. Oh my God, you even attempted it and you didn't just say, no, no, I don't. I might might have failed at it. I'm, you tried and I'm proud of you. A for effort. That's not how that word is spelled. It's not anywhere near the way that word is spelled. You're a teacher, you should know this. Did I I tell you about me listening to the, the edits the other day? When I did, okay, so we, we, and, and we mentioned this, that we recorded four episodes on Valentine's Day, and I was listening to all four of those, so I don't remember which one, I think this was in the, the, was this in the Shania Twain one when you were talking the Jeep, and I couldn't, f- I think that was Shania Twain. <laughs> I couldn't follow you because I was so hopped up on medicine that I couldn't, like, you can't get think. through these episodes sober. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, and I couldn't. I couldn't focus on what you were saying. Anything that wasn't written in front of my face, I was having a hard time focusing. And you kept saying whatever Jeep was, like the acronym, so, like saying it for this album. And I, I'm like, oh, I thought enough was spelled with a U, just because of the way you said it. When I listened enough. to that at work, I snorted so loud because <laughs> I was laughing at myself. Speaking of, do you know why Frenchmen only eat one egg for breakfast? Why? Because one egg is un oof. I hate you. I hate you so much. Okay, so my final thoughts. Are you are you proud of yourself? Uh, Nobody can see you shake your head yes! <laughs> do you know why? Because it's an audio medium. As a whole, I don't think I like Sinatra. He, he was very talented, and I can absolutely see why people loved him, but he's not for me. I couldn't even find one song on here that I would keep, which is absolutely unusual for me. I even kept a Rush song. Um, which one? I don't remember, but I remember I kept one. Mm. Um, I can't pinpoint why I don't like it exactly. I do like his voice, and the songs aren't too slow. I just don't know what it is. I, I just don't care enough for it to come back to it. I do wonder, though, had I been around in the 1950s, would I like this one better? Which is kind of, going back to what you were saying about it, just kind of different generation, different era. So I'm wondering if it's just a prisoner of its era. Yeah. Yeah. And that might, I don't know if that's just this album or if that's him in general. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I would try other stuff. It. I think it would fit with like um, Fallout New Vegas because that had Dean Martin on it too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That kind of and but I can see why this this particular album is on this list, but I don't I don't know I might just like his other stuff better, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, all right, um, this day in history. Okay, uh, I have to pull up the article now because I was doing my scholarly research on the. Concept album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the date is March 10th. Picture it. Sicily, 1912. How about 1956 instead? All right. RCA Records placed a half-page advert in Billboard magazine claiming that Elvis Presley was the new singing rage. Okay. Is that it? No. For that one, yes. That was lame. I know. And we, we, I've gotten into this discussion with you before. March 10th, 1964. Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel recorded what song? As an acoustic duo. Bridge Under Trouble Water. Sounds of Silence. 
Oh, okay. I was not right. (laughs) It wasn't until a record company producers added electric guitar, bass, and drums without the knowledge of Paul and Art that the song would become a hit in late 1965. Oh, I was about to shout Disturbed, and that was not... (laughs) (laughs) Because they broke up, did their own thing. Somebody discovered this, put all the things to it, and then basically said, Hey, you got this big hit. Uh, You need to come to this place and do this thing. Hmm. And I guess the way the story goes is he was, they were talking about, Oh yeah, we played, we did this little part on here. And the guy's like, no, I I got this. And he's like, no, I I did. He's like, no, I did the extra parts. He's like, okay. And he stepped back. I have to. Riveting story. Hey. You know what else is a riveting story? What? Story about frogs. Because they go, rivet, rivet. I hope you choke. (laughs) You're laughing so hard. You gotta laugh into the microphone, dude. Ah. Uh, 1988. Younger brother of the Bee Gees, Andy Gibb, died in hospital. His death was from... Inflammation of the heart, because I can't say the big medical word. Followed a long battle with cocaine addiction, which had weakened his heart. Mm. So there are only... I think there's three of them. I think only one's still alive. That's what I thought, two had died. Uh, 96. Or 1996. If you need the the century. Not 1896. I thought it was 2196. Thank you for clarifying. Alanis Morissette won Best Album for Jagged Little Pill, Best Female Singer, Best Rock Album, Best Songwriter, and Best Single at the 25th Juno Awards held in Canada. I'm excited for that one. When is? Is that on our list anytime soon? Uh, Not soon, but it is on this list. But, oh my god, I know every song off that album. <laughs> so we have a guessing game for you. Great. Okay. We all know how well I do on guessing. Yes. This is 2009. Okay. Tickets for a one-off gig by Sir Paul McCartney in Las Vegas sold out how fast after going on sale? 30... I'm going to give you a couple more pieces of information. The former Beatle was booked to perform at the opening of the new joint at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino on April 19th, 2009 in front of 4,000 fans. Tickets were $750 each. 37 and a half seconds. Seven seconds. <laughs> uh, do you know Joni Sledge? Uh, Sister Sledge? I was, I was about to say that, and I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound dumb because it'll be wrong. But yes, Sister Sledge. She died in 2017 okay. on this day of natural causes. And I guess we can try and do a couple birthdays again. There, people need to be more known because I don't know any of these people. Well, you don't know any of them personally. Well, I've maybe heard of one of these. Okay, doesn't mean I don't know who they are. Okay, so we're gonna go I'm with not the old people. Cultured pe- piece of swine like you are. We're gonna go with the old people like you. Cultured bacon. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> You say uncultured bacon? Yeah, I muttered uncultured bacon. Okay, that's what I thought you said. <laughs> I just hear this. What did you say? <laughs> what did you call me? <laughs> Dean Torrance, 
who with Jan and Dean had the 1963 U.S. number one and U.K. number 26 single Surf City, co-written by the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson. Uh, other hits include... What? Okay, hold on. Jan and Dean were pioneers of the California sound and surf vocal surf music styles. Other hits include... Sub- subsequent top ten hits included... <laughs> Drag City, Dead Man's Curve, and The Little Old Lady from Pasadena. Okay. So, Dean. Dean, and what did you say? What you, What was the first year you gave me? For Surf City was 1963. So, I'm going to say 42. 40. I'm not too far off. Okay. Pete Nelson from English pop group The Flowerpot Men, who had the 1967 UK number four single, Let's Go to San Francisco. 47. 45. Uh, okay, somebody you might know of. Tom Scholes, guitar keyboards for Boston. For the entire city of Boston. 51. 47. <laughs> Scottish drummer Ted McKenna, who has played with bands Tear Gas, the Sensational Alex Harvey Band, Rory Gallagher, the Sensational Party Boys, and the Michael Schenker Group. 52. 50. Gary Clark, guitarist from Scottish pop group Danny Wilson, who had the 1988 UK number three single, Mary's Prayer. 64. 62. <laughs> Most of them I've been off for two years. Do you know that? Elliot Lewis, American singer, keyboardist, guitarist, bassist, drummer, songwriter, and producer. He's best known for his work with Average White Band. And hollow notes. <laughs> Fifty-eight. Well, the last one was sixty-two. Oh, uh, sixty-eight. Sixty-two. <laughs> okay, here's finally one that you would recognize. Rick Rubin, American record producer and former co-president of Columbia Records. This guy with a really big beard worked with. I think he did. Did he work with N.W.A.? I know he worked with Slayer. Might have worked with Beastie Boys instead. Instead, I think he's worked with Red Hot Chili Peppers. He's worked with Charlie Cash. 65. 63. Any more? Are you moving on to your question corner? No, I have a couple more. Just waiting for the cat to stop interrupting. Uh, Edie Brickell, U.S. singer. 1989, U.K. number 31. Single with the New Bohemians, What I Am. Also a 1999 hit for Spice Girl, Emma Bunton. 69. 66. Robin Thicke, singer, songwriter, record producer, actor, and musician. 77. 77. <gasps> oh my god, this is the first one I've gotten right in like four weeks. <laughs> Carrie Underwood, American pop country music singer, winner of which season of American Idol? Seven. Four. 82. She, that is correct. She was born the same year you were. You're going to hate me even more when I tell you it was 83. Okay, so I have a I have another interesting question. I don't think it's actually interesting. So we're on your question corner? Yeah, okay. we're going to go with that. So you said that you hear the name Sinatra, and you know who it is. You don't need the first mm-hmm. name. There are, I think, quite a few artists that would be known, for, known by their last name. 
Mm-hmm. How or many? Go by one name. No, not not that's that's last name. Right. How many do you think when you think of just one name or a first name? Would you, how many can you who would you think of? So you got Cher, Madonna, Elvis. Like you you don't need to say Presley to know yeah. it's Elvis. Um But I think I think it's more common for the last name than it would be to be known by a first name. Um, those are the only ones offhand I can think of. Can you think of anybody else? It's just because even even if you're looking at um, Christina, you know Brittany, Christina, Justin, all that. There are other artists, but that may be your what you go to, but that's not necessarily. Like a, a mm-hmm. uh, comprehensive, hey, this is who this artist is. Yeah. Well, even, like, I was thinking... Sting? Prince. Yeah. Print, Prince. Prince was actually a first name. Yeah. I'm wondering how many of these other artists... I was thinking, if you say if I say Mercury, you're going to know who I'm talking about, but it sounds wrong if you don't say Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Which is another interesting thing is you hear some of these first names or these last names by the artist and you're like okay that doesn't sound right finish the sentence right um i don't that's a good question because it's i mean if i said swift you know i'm if you know i'd be talking about taylor swift but it doesn't sound right if i don't say taylor swift kanye beyonce beyonce yeah bay once (laughs) bay twice (laughs) they knock it off splains (laughs) i think we're done there Okay. Well, if we're done. No, it's a good it's a good question because you have to in order to get to one name status I'm I wouldn't necessarily say Cher, Madonna and Prince are uh, Well, especially in in the music world to get to a first name base or to, to get, one to name be, basis be so big that you don't need anybody to say your full name because then you cannot because beyonce her full name is beyonce Knowles, but her stage name is just beyonce same with prince yeah but you could even get into like the art world where you know banksy <laughs> <laughs> but michelangelo you know da vinci you know right some of these that are just known by one name right right you have to be so big that you're just known but like like you said, Christina. Ricci. But there there are other Christinas, Applegate. but if you put it in the terms of Christina, Brittany, and Justin, you know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. So it's it's a no, it's a good it's an interesting that'd be that'd be one to have like a debate with your friends over. That's kind of an interesting Yeah. I did good for once. You did good for once. I mean, like I said, Sinatra and Elvis are probably the two biggest ones because you don't you don't need to say Presley. You don't need to say Frank, and so that's good. Um, okay, so we ready to end it? Yep. So you want to do it? I'll just get the papers out, and we can just end this. Okay. Do you want to do it? Nope. Why not? Because do I don't not, do good. Do you? Not I don't do speak it. the English good. Well, I can't speak the English good if you don't let me. You keep interrupting me. So moo. Mm, find us on Instagram at Twitter at WorstPod on Mars. Find us on Facebook, The Worst Podcast on Mars. Send us an email, WorstPodOnMars at gmail.com. And just make sure it says the letter E. That's our email. 
I hate you more than I think I've ever hated you. In this moment right now, I hate you so much. Why? With, you know you that, asked him to send us an email, so I'm clarifying. It was I showed you yesterday when that guy is bathing that cat, and that cat's like, I hope that when you go into the living room, you stub your pinky toe. I hope that when you go to Aldi and you think you have a quarter, you find out it's a nickel. You can, I think you can put your key in there. I've seen people try it. So <laughs> find us on the socials, Worst Pod on Mars. Send us an email, Worst Podcast on Mars. Is it Worst Pod on Mars? I think it's Worst Pod. I don't know our email. I suck at this. <laughs> Whatever podcast format platform, that's the word. Oh my God, I'm so done. <sighs> give us a rating, give us a review. I would totally understand if you give us one star rating right now. I feel you. Um, give us a, give us a review and tell us what we can do better, including Everything. giving out our socials better. Um, on Tuesdays, we do little mini episodes where we just do the review section, and we are taking suggestions. Um, we just had some episodes come out with some listeners that gave us some suggestions. Send us a suggestion of, of uh, one you would like to torture Evan with and, and hear my review on. And come back next week for another full-length episode where we're going to do Celine's Dion's. Nope, Celine Dion's. That's another sing-along. Kind of. Celine. Celine. Yeah. Falling into you. Thanks. Bye-bye. <coughs> Rude. I hope you choke. That was your fault. This was all your fault. And I th- that's going to go in an edit because it was your fault. That's just me getting what I want. (laughs) You put it out in the universe and the universe will deliver.